And hello, recovery fan. Welcome to a, another episode of the Unashamed Recovery Podcast. The last episode that you heard, we talked about codependency, what it was like, and what we can do to overcome that cycle of codependency. This episode, we have a good friend coming on sharing a testimony, going to talk about the pit of addiction that he was brought out of and what he's doing now. And with that, roll that intro. In three, two, one. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast with Josh and Drew starts now. Here at the Unashamed Recovery Podcast, we believe there is healing in the story of our scars and that it is okay to not be okay. It is our sole mission to break the shame and stigma of addiction by telling real stories by real people who uh, have to deal with real struggles. And with that being said, let's meet today's guest. Today's guest is a good friend of mine and Drew's. He's the ministry leader of Restoring the Broken. He's a sushi connoisseur. His name is Brent Tank Gilbert. Brent Tank, Mr. Gilbert, thank you for being here, brother. Hey, good to be here. Good to be here. Guys, if y'all can see Tank, he, he looks like the meanest person in the world. And... He couldn't be farther from that. Tank has become a really good friend of mine over the, this last year, and he's got a, a heart of gold for the recovery community. And it's it's amazing at uh, how the Understand Recovery podcast. You know we we've we've come into existence kind of supporting the Mississippi recovery community, and it's a it's an honor to do so because we get to meet people like Tank who are on the front lines, grinding it out on the recovery communities here in Mississippi. So, Tank, before we get started, before we get dive into your t- uh, testimony, I got to know, what's your favorite sushi? I-, I know you got one. What What is it? I would have to say it's the crazy crab roll at Tokyo. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go with the tornado roll. Tornado roll is probably my favorite. It's got the little crunchy uh, tuna on the top of it. Yeah, yeah, I like the crunchy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little spice to it. To to be honest, any sushi is my favorite. (laughs) I I was a sushi champion at um, Saki Cafe in Laurel uh, there. They had a competition one time. Uh, We had this big, this like huge sushi roll, and you had to eat it within under 15 minutes. And if you did, it was free. Um, I smashed it out in less than eight minutes and asked them if I could do it again. And they said no, but they put my picture on the wall, so I was the champion. So there's that, you know. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I had to ask because hmm. I know <laughs> when we were scheduling me coming down to speak, I know we were trying our best to go eat sushi. And it just never happened. So I had to, I had to ask because yes. I, 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 I wanted to know. And my next question, we're going to dive into this, but I, What's your favorite worship song right now that's getting you through these, you know, your 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 daily recovery journey? What worship songs helping get you through twenty four hours? Without a doubt, Miracle Power, man. Ooh, mm. Mm. I tell you, what, I got chills right now just thinking about it because uh, I don't know. It's just just 
Man, that, that song just does it for me right now. I mean, it's, talk with anybody in recovery, and they got a favorite worship song. Oh yeah, it's yours, Josh. Mine right now is a, a it's the new one that Mercy Me just uh, released out. Then Christ came through. I've got two. One's um, Million Little Miracles. That's hands down it. And then you've got um, Take Me Back by Dante Bo. I haven't heard that one. That one's a good one. Check that out. Yep. All right. So that's all out of the way. So, Tank, yeah. let's start at the beginning of, of your story. What, what, what does Chapter 1 look like for Tank's story? What, where does your story start? Man, I grew up in a in a small community of North Jones County called the Matthews community. Um and I was raised in church. My, my my grandfather, he was a deacon of the church. I mean, every time the doors opened, we were there. Um in our community there was people, you know, of course that drank, stuff like that, and it was it was around me. It was always around me. And um but I, I like to tell people when I'm when I'm giving my testimony my testimony, like many others, is full of, of three C's, and that's choices, chances, and change. And I knew right from wrong, but I made those choices when I was young that that determined my addiction. Um, and and addiction don't discriminate. I mean, you can be you can be brought up in church, you can be brought up and 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 sheltered, whatever it is, you know, whatever the case may be. Addiction don't discriminate. Um, but yeah, like I said, I grew up in in a in a church environment, godly parents, godly grandparents, man. And when I my my parents they they divorced at um when I was about twelve, going on thirteen, and that was a kind of a critical time in my life. You know, my dad was doing his own thing. I, I, I was living with him, and my my mom she moved off, and I just uh I started making those choices of. So was that divorce? Was that the the pivotal moment? Then. No, I, I, not the divorce whatsoever. Because at the time in my life, I'm, if I'm being honest and transparent, me and my mom didn't get along anyway. Um, we didn't have a, a very healthy relationship at all. So it was kind of like it was a that divorce was actually kind of a relief to me. Um, but it was just uh, I was going into high school and um, I started hanging around people instead of people my age. I was hanging around seniors and and stuff like that and. I was, my dad, he was getting back on the dating scene. And, and so when he was going dating, I was, I was going out and partying and, and that's actually how I got the name tank. Um, I was partying with a bunch of seniors drinking and, uh, man, I would drink a lot and I've, I've always been a big fella. And I had one tell me, he said, man, you're, you're a big fella and you hold a lot of fluids. We're going to call you tank. <laughs> and um and and it stuck with me ever since but but people you know when I tell people that they're like but that's not you anymore you know you're not that person anymore so why do you still go by that name and I said well, well I said well that tank he died I said I said I'm now a tank in God's army you know what I'm saying when I was when I was uh when he when I was delivered he he, he made me a new tank you know what I'm saying I'm not that old tank anymore uh, that was awesome 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 so for you going and getting involved in high school and all that. So what was that drug of choice that, that really snatched you? What, what was your lure? It, you know, everybody says marijuana is the gateway drug. And I would, I would like to say, sure it is. But it, like I said, it was, just a, it was choices. I mean, I started smoking weed when I was 13 and, 
And then as I got older, I just, I just kept trying. I, I just made, I had that addictive personality. I mean, the first time I smoked a cigarette, I didn't call for anything. I was like, hey, I like this. I mean, I, and that was a red flag that I seen later on in life. You know, hey, I mean, I just, everything I tried, I liked it. And it just, it just went on from there. So, of course, someone, hey, you want to try this? Sure. I mean, you know, I mean, I've I done everything except for sticking a needle in my arm. And um, when I was uh, 17 or 18 there, um, I was introduced to crystal meth. For the first time, and, and um, I was at a party, and some guys we went in, in the back room, and they had a piece of foil. And you want to try this? Sure. Well, I don't even. What is it? And they told me. I was like, okay. And I was instantly hooked. Um, I didn't care. I, I still, I, I still smoking weed, so but I didn't care about that. I was still drinking. I didn't really care about that. I know mean, I, I could get that. That was no problem. But I, my mission, my sole mission became to. To get that meth and to get and chasing that high, and it, it that really started leading down the destructive path. Well, I think right there is a perfect chance for us to take a small break to hear a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by D's Automotive. You know, Unashamed Recovery Podcast is fortunate that we are heard around the world in over forty-two countries. But we also have a huge local audience here in the home state of Mississippi. And D's Automotive is a proud sponsor of Understand Recovery Podcast. They are serving the East Mississippi community. And D's has been serving the East Mississippi community and Meridian for over 42 years. And that is for your entire complete car care service and towing and car unlocks. And that is D's Automotive, and they're over at 5024 Poplar Springs Drive, 5024 Poplar Springs Drive. And you can give them a call, 601-482-1800. And when you go over there, go see Miss Jeannie, Mike, and the boys, and tell them that Josh and Drew sent you. Now, if you're still here with us, let's get back to the testimony. We're sitting here today with Tank of Restoring the Broken. Tank. That crystal meth, as you were getting into it, how did it compare with the other stuff that you had tried before? Was it kind of this, like, was it was like, oh man, this is it, or was it kind of like, ah, this 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 ain't my thing? Uh, there was there was no comparison. It was it was the thing. Like I said, the the weed and the and the pills and the cocaine and the, all that was just like just small stuff that was just easy to get. And it was it was it seemed like it was around all the time. This became like that that thing that I was just chasing all the time, and um, and didn't realize how destructive it was in my life, you know, and didn't see what it was doing to me. And um, man, by the time I was nineteen, twenty years old, I, I I was a full blown I'm talking about addict. I was doing everything, and I didn't just my addiction. I didn't just go to one thing. Like I mean, I was doing it all. So and was I, this after? The divorce, correct? Yeah, this is after my parents' divorce. This is on around. This is on when I'm 17, 18, 19 years old. Right, is when I got full fledged into crystal meth. So let me ask you this: Does that were you trying to fill a hole at that point in time, like a void almost? No, I was. I was just trying to get high. I yeah. mean, I just. I mean, I. I wasn't really trying to cover up. Now, I had an abusive mother. I had me and my brother didn't have a good relationship. But and I'm sure a lot of my trauma from that helped with my addiction. Um, it was just something to do that just 
felt, I don't know, just felt like, I don't know, it made me something. Right. I always felt like I wasn't something. So is it and almost it, like an acceptance thing? Yes, it was point? kind of, a, yeah, it just made, made me feel indestructible, made me feel, you know, like I was just invincible. I was bulletproof. I only because, like, I, I know, and, and, you know, I went through the, the the progression from marijuana all the way up until meth, except for I was one of those people who ended up sticking a needle in my arm. But, yeah. You know, and it just, and I always wondered, like, how I got that far. But then, you yeah. know, kind of looking into it now, you can kind of understand that, you know, there was so much extra trauma, but then you don't realize that you're trying to fill voids and then you're trying to find acceptance and love and everything mm-hmm. else just by the things that you were putting yourself through. You know, it was just like, well, I'm accepted and I, I love this because I don't have to feel anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, so yeah. that numbing. Oh, yeah. You know, Definitely. that's that was the thing. I Inevitably, that's what I was chasing, didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Was just not feeling, yeah, you know, and yeah, I, I didn't. It it numbed out, you know, because I was always a big kid. It numbed out the the the, the shame of that. Um, it, it numbed out any. I was always um. How can I put this? I just I always felt like I wasn't enough in in a lot of areas of my life, and it, it just it made me feel like I was. I mean, it it really did. Like I said, it made me feel like I was just invincible, and it gave me a a false confidence is what it did. Um. Well, let me ask you this: With the the crystal meth use and all that, so was that rock bottom, or was there? Oh no, was there more? Oh after, no, there's, after there's, that? there's more. See, um, I've, I've known some people that once they hit that crystal meth point, like that was like it was that's rock bottom. Yeah. So so yours continues on down. Oh yeah, it just it that's just we're just at the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> um, so I, I lived that life for three years there like that just non my every day was a party i was and and i'm doing i know the people out there can't see this i'm doing air quotations when i say this i was in uh um how do you how do you say it uh i lose my a functioning addict i was a functioning addict you know i, I held a job i had by this time i had moved out on my own i couldn't live with my parents no more because i was yeah i was crazy and um so and I got to a point and I was like, you know what? Living like that and having people at my house all the time and just every day for three years there, nonstop, every day was a party. It was all the time something going on. I got tired of that. I was like, I'm tired of this. And I and I told, I, I, I made a deal with God. I said, God, if you'll, if you'll put somebody in my life where I can just, I'll quit all this. I, you know, just where I can get away from all this and, and, and escape, put somebody in my life. And I met my, which is now my wife. And she was, the thing about that is me and her dad and her brothers all were in addiction together. We partied together. I didn't even know she existed until I was over there one day and she came to the door. And I'm like, who is that? And um, so, uh, and I was like, God has put her in my life. And so we started talking, we started dating, we got together. And uh, I had to have that conversation with her dad. I'm like, look, I'm with your daughter now. I'm, I'm done with all this stuff, but... And she got pregnant with our son, and I did. I, I quit everything cold turkey. I was like, I made a deal with God. I'm I'm done with this. I mean, I quit smoking cigarettes, everything. Just boom, it was just nothing. And I, and I think it was the shock of I've got a child on the way. Help me do that. But as soon as our son was born, and this is I'm 21, 22 years old now. When this happens, as soon as he was born, I started dabbling back. I got comfortable. And I felt, okay, I can dabble a little bit. And that dabbling turned into 
10 times as bad as I was the first time back doing all the same stuff over and over again. And plus hiding it from her. She knew I smoked a little weed. She knew I drank. She didn't know any of the other stuff. She didn't know I was selling. She didn't know I was bringing duffel bags and hiding them out in the woods. And, um, and I was dealing it as you, as well as using it. And, um, so that right there makes the selling chickens a whole lot funnier. Oh yes, because yes, yes. You've gone from from selling drugs. You made a post. It's been a while back. Yes. Of you were meeting somebody in a parking lot. Yes. With a chicken in a cage. Yes. I went. I went from. I went from <laughs> slinging dope in the hospital parking lot to selling chickens in the high school parking lot. You know, that's where God brought me from. You know, and I, I, I made a joke. I made a lot. I wasn't making joke about. You know, I wasn't. Never would I, you know, make a joke about addiction. But it was just I was making light of where God had brought me from because I used to be that person that was meeting people in the parking lot selling dope, and, and I was that person. But now I'm meeting them in there doing chicken deals because I, I, I raise chickens, and uh, man, that's one of the best things ever. But man, that. <laughs> <laughs> not the chicken dealer. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I've I've calmed down on that too because and me, and me and Josh were talking about this earlier. You have to watch out because you can replace things and they can become an addiction. And I realized my chicken dealing was becoming an addiction. <laughs> I felt that 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 sense of oh man, I, I'm the man here. You know, I had to back off. But no, uh, but back to my story there. Then my wife got pregnant with our daughter. And I am, I mean, I'm full blown. It's, it's getting bad now. Um, I, when she was in the hospital giving birth to our daughter, I was in there long enough to see my daughter come out of the womb. I cut the cord and I went right back out. I was going to different bathrooms in the hospital and smoking dope. I was going out in the, in the parking lot and selling it. And I mean, and just, this was in October. I'm just pouring sweat. I'm just, I mean, I'm a, I'm a wreck. And went on like that for a couple of years man our house everything was going to shambles man we had holes in our floors and our walls roaches and rats and and then my wife confronted me one day on christmas eve when my daughter was three or four years old she confronted me she knew something was up and and then i was like i said i was doing dope with her family members and one of them finally you know snitched me out and was like yeah he's he's on it bad he's he's deep into this and she confronted me. I came home, and she confronted me there at the door. She said, I know what you're doing. And I said, what you talking about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> played that dumb card. What you yeah. talking about? Yeah. She said, I, I know I know that you're doing meth, and I know you've been doing it for a while. She And she said, are you going to tell me the truth? And I was like, yeah. And instead of being a man, I, I said, you want to try it. That was the worst mistake I ever made in my life, the worst. That I say the worst because, you know, I, I chose to do all these things, but that right there was the worst because I introduced her to it. And it really got bad. It got, I mean, it got so bad. We would stay locked up in the laundry room or the bathroom smoking dope, and our kids just running around doing God knows what. Um, Come knocking the door, y'all through? Now we're working on this. We're working on this. We're doing this. We'll be out in a little while for hours and hours. Um, and then she got to that, you know, she was out, she was instantly hooked and it got to where we was just, I was my, I went from making money selling dope to being in debt because getting high on our own supply. And, um, man, God started speaking to me and he was like, uh, 
I've gave you so many chances and I've only hit the crust of, of, of my story because we'd be here for hours. But but there's so many chances I should have died. So many times I should have drowned. I'd, I'd, I'd come home off of a three or four day binge and pass out in the bathtub and almost drown so many times. And it's like God was just getting my attention. You know, I've, I've gave you chances. I gave you chances. And I mean, he was he was speaking to me. That still small voice. He was he was speaking to me. He's like, "You fixing to be out of chances." I'd lay there every night, like my heart was just fixing to explode, because I had done probably half a gram of meth, a gram of coke, drinking all day, this and that. And I mean, my heart just all the time. And there's no telling what kind of wear and tear I'd done on my body over that 20 year period. And it finally, it, he uh, he got my attention one night, and he, and he told me, he said, this is it. It's now or never. And I surrendered right there, and I said, I'm done. Take, I, I, I begged him, please. I said, take this away from me. Take this taste of it, the want, everything. And we got up that next morning, and we went to church, and all I could do was just cry because I knew God had, had delivered me. I knew right then I I truly gave my life to Christ. And that was... um. August the first was ten years ago that happened. I haven't touched anything since. Man, that is that's that's um that's that's one of those situations where it doesn't always happen like that, but when yeah. it does, it is a walking miracle. It is, it is, and and you know when I tell people my story, they think, oh man, yes, it got it got better. No, it didn't. It got worse because um my wife wasn't ready to quit, and um for. For two years there, we we lived in misery because I was I was walking it out for the Lord, man. I was fired up and trying to live right, and she was still, and I knew she was, and I was trying to bring her in. I was trying to, and I and I got to that point where I, you know, and then I was trying to fix it, and I realized I'm trying to. I can't fix it. Only God can fix this. And I told her one day, I said, "Look, either you can get some help." Get clean, whatever we need. I said, I'm willing to do whatever we got to do to get you some help and get clean, or, or you're going to have to go. And she packed her stuff up, and she left. And uh, I took sole custody of the kids. Um, she ran off with the, with a dope man. Um, man, and those, man, for months, she was gone. See her every once in a while. She had them. Um, she had, had to have supervised visitation and stuff like that. Man, it was just horrible. And um, I, I went through a bad depression, you know, and I was like, I, I questioned God. I was like, why? I said, I surrendered all this to you. Why is this happening? You know, and um, I just one night I, I took my kids out to my dad and I was like, I just need y'all to watch the kids for a while. I said, uh, I can't right now. I, said, I mean, I was depressed. I'd already filed for divorce, everything, you know. And um, I laid out there. Man, it was, it was cold. It was like the last ice storm of Mississippi. I, I want to say it was 2012, 13, somewhere up in there. And I sat there in, in our trailer for two or three days and I didn't eat. I was fasting and didn't even know it, man. I didn't eat. I was just talking to me and God and I didn't have the air, oh, the heater running or nothing. I, I remember walking by the thermostat and it said 18 degrees and that was the only inside. And I was just, and I was, and I was just, uh, just I was mad at God. I, I yelled at him. I screamed at him. I, I cried to him. And I finally I just got I mean I came to a point where I just laid myself on the floor and screamed and kicked like a baby and I said and I finally I got I said, All right, this year's God, do what you're gonna do. 
I said, I'm, I'm giving it fully to you. I said, if you want us to be together, you'll make it happen. If not, you show me what I need to do. And that next morning, some people that I used to go to church with called me, and they said, do you want to go to a Newsboys concert with us? And I was like, sure, why not? So I loaded up to, with them. We went to that Newsboys concert in Kosciuszko, Mississippi. And, man, they was having – if you've never been to a Newsboys concert, you're missing out. It's awesome. That drummer is awesome. But anyway – um, and they was having a time of prayer and man, I was just, man, the spirit was moving and we was praying and I was just, I was praying for my wife and I was praying for God, just, I need you to show me what decisions I need to make. And right after that, right after that, my phone went off and it was my wife and she said, I'm ready. I want help. And that was divine intervention from God. And, and I didn't know at the time that at that time, same time, she was about to shoot up for the first time and she was going to just overload herself and overdose and take her life up because she was in such a bad place. But God intervened, man. And I went that next day and I went to the hotel room where she was at with the dope man and I walked in there and I grabbed her and I said, let's go. And that, that old flesh of me, you know, I wanted to <laughs> act out on him, but I, I didn't. I walked in there and I got her and I took her straight to a meeting and she started going to meetings and she did she have a slip up? Yeah, she slipped up a couple times, but she just kept on getting back up until eventually she she got it. And um, August the fourteenth, eight years ago, she she surrendered and she's been clean ever since, man. And and that's when God really took off in our lives. And we got in church, man. We started serving and just started just surrender our lives to the Lord and just letting him him take over and let him lead, man. And he has just it's I can't tell you how good it's been, the work that he has done in our lives, the, the, the doors he's opened, man, and then, and just, it just, it's a better high than anything this world can give you. And go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you good. I was just, I was going to just uh, coincide with what you were saying, man. It's, it, it, it doesn't, you know, it, that's the, the best feeling in the world is, you know, being inside the will of God. And so many of us that were in that lifestyle of addiction, when we find God, and we get pulled out of that pit. Yes. And we, we know firsthand. Oh, yeah, man. That, and it's, it's, it's something. Psalm else. 42, man. Psalm 42. I got, pulled I got out of the pit. I got it tatted on my arm, man, because that's that's my verse that I stand on, man. He uh, he drew me out of that pit of destruction, out of that miry bog, and he set my feet on a solid rock, making my steps secure. He done that, man. And, right. I, and I and I and I'll never forget it, what he done. And, man, we started, like I said, we started serving in the church, man. I was uh, became a greeter, and then uh, then eventually I uh, became a Sunday school teacher. And I was like, "This is crazy." I, I mean, I'm, I was never, I never, I don't, I, I didn't, I got a GED, dude. I know nothing about teaching, but um, but that God, God doesn't call the equipped; He equips the called. And man, I, I just couldn't believe I'm, like, I'm teaching Sunday school. And so I thought, I was like, "Okay, this is where God's got me," and I've done that for years. And then um, I just felt felt me just tugging me. I got something for you to do. I got something for you to do. And I was like, so uh, I was part of a life group there at church. And I had all these people praying for me. I said, God's wanting me to do something. I don't know what it is. I mean, just pray. And um, I'd got a call from a lady. I called her. She was one, like one of my other mom, my mamas, you know. And um, me and her son had went through addiction together and recovery. And they had a benefit car ride for him down there. And, um. Anyway, uh, she said, I want you to come and share your testimony. 
I said, okay. I went down there and I shared my testimony. And um, there was a lady, Miss Consuela Wallace. She's over the Jones County Drug Court. She's down there. She said, I want you to come speak at the drug court. And I was like, okay. And I, I knew right then. I, I said, God, I see what you're doing. And um, so I went back to talk to my wife, and I was like, God wants us to start a ministry. She's like, okay. I was like, I was like, we're going to start a ministry to, and just tell people what God's in our lives, you know, for recovering addicts, you know. And just, I said, I, I know that I got confirmation. That's what He wants me to do. So, man, we 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 got some our good friends Jeff and, and Kenyon and told them what I, what God you know had revealed to us, and asked if they want to help out. And I was like, yeah, we're on. And man, we just started. We we asked some some different people that was part of ministries for you know help and stuff like that, and they kind of ghosted us, you know, like. I was like, okay, and we didn't know what we was doing. I have no clue, and but we said we're gonna be obedient to God, and whatever we're gonna let the Holy Spirit lead this. And man, we started out, and He just started opening doors, man. And then that was three years ago, man. We're supposed to celebrate our three year anniversary at Restoring the Broken, and dude, He has just opened the floodgates, man, and just blessed it, and just. I can't sit here and describe to you in a, in in two days' time what what I've seen him do, and it's nothing that we do. We're just being there. We're just willing vessels, man, and and just see what he's done in people's lives. I'm I'm telling you, if you're in South Mississippi area, heck, if you're in the surrounding states, make the drive <laughs> and visit Tank at Restoring the Broken. Like that group, I, I had the privilege of being there. Was it back in April? Yes, April, I think. Yes, and that's a that that is a a very rowdy group. They are excited to be in recovery. Like yes. that, that's all. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is a very excited bunch. Uh, yes, it is, man. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, man. <laughs> we, we when we started it, you know, we was talking about what night we were going to meet, and my wife said Friday nights, and I was like, woman, are you crazy? I said it tells you in the recovery Bible don't have meetings on Friday nights. I said, she said, we're going against the grain. She said, when we was in addiction, when did we when did we go out? She said, you get paid on Friday. She said, we gonna give them a curve, of you know, of you know, like hey, that. let's start the weekend off like this. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And man, <laughs> I, I was like, I, and I, I'm old doubting Tom here. I was like, this ain't gonna work. And man, when we started out, yeah, we had fifteen, twenty people show up. And, you know, the first few meetings, it kind of dwindled down. We'd have like 10 or 15. And here in the last year, we average anywhere from 50 to 70 people every Friday night. And these people, they are, they're excited about recovering. They're excited about Jesus, man. And we just, we just love on them and we pour into them and we just share with them. And man, yeah, they get, they get excited when we give out recovery bracelets at our, at our meetings. And that that's one of the rowdiest times, and that's we we do that at the start of the meeting, and he gets amped up in there, man. When somebody picks up a bracelet, dude, they they are they are cheering them on, man. That's an, and and then we go into worship, and man, these people love to worship Jesus and praise and worship, and it will blow the roof off in that place. McGee was like that. Yeah, yeah, we got some good friends over McGee. They like to they love recovery too, man. We love him. Hey, hey I went and spoke there and. It was as soon as I ended it, <clears throat> it erupted, and I was just like, "Wow!" Yeah, wow, man. And, and that's a that's a good thing to have, man. Yeah. Is people to be excited about, it, encouraged about it, man. And and it's a recovery community, right? You know, you have to and 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 things out. I mean, you notice a lot of things when you deal with different people. A lot of people have a competition mindset. 
and but you got to have a kingdom mindset right. because the only person we're in competition with is the enemy, so Satan itself. We're all we're all team Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And that's what that's what we got to get in our minds. Hey, the the more you get plugged in community wise, the stronger a force we are to bring more people out of those pits. Yep, yep. that's right. So as we close out, I got to ask you, and I, I think I know the answer to this. What is some of the tools that you're using today to stay sober and to stay plugged in into your recovery? Man, restoring the broken is like my baby. And I just, I mean, I, I, I stay plugged in with it. I stay plugged in. I sponsor different guys and I'm pouring into them. And I, and I just, I, I stay plugged in at, at, you know, speaking at other places and that helps hold me accountable. You know, and, 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 about a year ago, God called me to preach, and man, that helps hold me accountable because I'm staying in His Word even more, studying and preparing sermons. And man, that's just uh, you stay stay in God's Word, stay plugged in, and 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 we lead a, a recovery ministry. We still go to meetings sometimes with other ones. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, you you, you can't you don't ever stop going to meetings just because you don't never reach that level where all right, I'm I'm good. No, that's what happens when you think I'm good. That's what that's you get too confident and you'll fall off. You gotta stay plugged in, man. And also, <clears throat> I don't know about y'all, but like you know, I'm I'm very fortunate to be the men's ministry leader of North Park Celebrate Recovery. When I'm at North Park Celebrate Recovery, I'm leading. I don't get a chance to participate. Yes. Sometimes I need a meeting. That's right. Where I can just go be poured into, and, man. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes I need that extra meeting as well, just like you're talking about. Sometimes yep. I need to go find that outside of Celebrate Recovery, somewhere where I can just go in, walk through the door, sit down, and like you said, get poured into. Yep. And you I, have to because if you you keep on you pour out so much, you pour out so much. Well, it gets to where you pour out and you're empty. You you can't pour into other people with an empty vessel. You got to go back and get that vessel filled up. You know what I'm saying? And how about that? Does that not tie into what we were just talking about in the parking lot before yeah, we started? Yeah, buddy. Man, that's how God works, dude. He just he, mm. Tank, I think we're on to something. I think so. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> uh, dude, I, I I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in God. Just he, man. I've seen so much here there's, lately. There's no coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidence. I've seen, and it, it just comes becomes more evident, evident every day. Just see how God does things, and it's just it blows my mind still. Most definitely. Well, Tank, we're gonna wrap this thing up. It has been an honor. To have you on. Oh man, the honor's all mine. Man, Thank y'all for having me. We we could sit here for another two hours. Yeah. And talk this out, but uh, I don't have the money for that, and uh, <laughs> so I don't either. So, uh, <laughs> but man, you, you know, I don't I don't say this to everybody, but Tank, you you are a lighthouse to those that are out there in the darkness of addiction. You you are what it means to truly be unashamed. And, you know, you're you're out there in the trenches, pouring light out there to those in the darkness of addiction and. And that's what it is. That's what it's all about. And, uh, man, we, we've loved having you on here. Uh, what is a good way for somebody to get in contact with you? Maybe somebody wants to, to come visit Restoring the Broken. Maybe somebody wants to come and have you speak at their recovery group. You know, we're friends with a bunch of their recovery podcasts. Maybe they want to have you come on their show. What's a good email yeah, uh, they, they can reach you out. Yeah, of course, we have our Facebook page, and they can message me on there. Um, and it's, you go to our Facebook page, it's got a number. That's, that's my phone number on there. 
or you can email me at RTB Ministries 19 at Outlook.com. That's our email address, man. They contact me on there. I'd be glad to respond back. And we will also have that uh, email and the Facebook page for Restoring Broken in the show notes of this episode. So as you're listening to our soothing sounds and our voices, you know, you can scroll down into those show notes and you can get those links for their Facebook page. You can get the link for their email, you know, and have all that information there down in the show notes. You know, this is one of those episodes where I'm really glad that we went audio only because I don't know if the three of us would be able to, to we, we would break the camera. Like Probably. the three of us do not have a face for TV. Like we, yeah. we, we, we're built for radio. Yes. We're built for podcast. <laughs> and and this will be one of those episodes that I don't listen to because I can't stand my voice. <laughs> it's okay. I have, guilty, guilty. I, I haven't listened to one single episode of Unashamed Recovery Podcast. So it's, it is okay, brother. <laughs> well, guys, that is all the time that we've got for today. We have in, enjoyed having tank on and we have enjoyed y'all listening thank y'all for your continued support of the podcast you know we we've got our sponsors that help sponsor the show but we also are thankful to our listeners that sponsor you know we have uh, listeners that continue to donate to the show and we're only here because of y'all thank you for your continued support of the show and you can always reach out to us email us at unashamedpodcast at yahoo.com unashamedpodcast at yahoo.com and go over and visit us on Facebook. We've got a nice Unashamed Recovery group where we uh, where we are uh, set up and people are getting plugged in and comm- uh, networking and communicating together there and sharing daily sobriety tips. So find us there as well. And with that, that's all the time we've got. We love y'all. And until next time, I hope y'all continue to be unashamed.